Hi there, and welcome back to the FFS podcast. And this is episode number seven of the MWF series. And for those of you who've never heard of this podcast before and wondering what the hell the MWF series is, it's basically the midweek fixture series, something that I started around when I began season two of the FFS podcast. It's essentially a shorter, more interactive, more reactive, more fun, I suppose, uh, series as compared to the main flagship series, which is the FFS podcast. Um, and yeah, so today, what are we going to be discussing? So today, I've kind of dubbed this episode as the Challengers episode. Um, and so by that, I mean, we're going to be talking about two matches that happened last weekend. Uh, that was the Classica, which is Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund. And then on Sunday, the big match, Manchester City versus Liverpool. I should say it should be Dortmund versus Bayern Munich because it was played at the Sigiluduna Park. All right. So, and some of you must be wondering, but Prady, I mean, Man City right now are in no position to challenge and isn't the Bundesliga already over? But no, they're not. And we all know how powerful the team is, uh, Man City and, and even Dortmund, if you compare, uh, if you look at the Bundesliga, we know how strong they are. And we know last year that they did challenge for the title. So we thought this year as well, the odds are that they will be the two teams or the four teams that will be challenging for the two titles. Now, on this podcast with me, I've got four fans, uh, two of them who are Bundesliga fans, two of them who are Premier League fans. So we've got Aditya, who supports Bayern Munich. We've got Errol, who supports Liverpool. We've got Kostov, who supports Borussia Dortmund. And we've got Vishal, who supports Manchester City. All right. Now, we'll start off with the Classiker, because that was probably the most entertaining of the two matches in terms of at least the scoreline. Uh, and I guess it was, I think both halves were as entertaining were quite entertaining, whereas in Liverpool and City, you could probably argue one was more entertaining than the other. But anyway, so uh, Aditya and Kossip, I'm going to ask you what your thoughts were on the Classiker. Did you feel Bayern were a little lucky? I mean, there were obviously some chances from Borussia Dortmund's side. Uh, or did you feel that Bayern's mentality, giant winning, uh, winning mentality that they've had under Hansi Flick has just been, it's just unstoppable so i'm going to leave it there and i'm going to let you guys you know discuss it and debate it out uh on this podcast episode so yeah i mean what did you guys think of the uh of the match as a whole uh yeah i'll go first like from dortmund standpoint i'll say that uh, like all of us were very frustrated uh after the result because i think so this was a match which we felt we should have won and uh, like if you see the stats and everything, even the goal scoring opportunity, we had more than Bayern. And uh, at home as well, we had a better record. Like uh, going into this game, three games, two won and one loss. And that too was the 1-0, which was last year. Uh, so I think so. <clears throat> we were confident. Uh, we had the team even Hummels was back from the injury and uh, we were playing pretty good. I think so. The only thing was the finishing, the final third, the finishing was missing. Uh, so despite having so many opportunities, uh, we weren't able to convert them. Uh, like Royce also had one even on his weaker foot and uh, even Haaland had one on one as well. So I think so. Yeah, Bayern had uh, 
few offsides, a couple of offsides, one hit the post. But I think so. We were playing pretty good. We were confident, and uh, I think so. The result, even if it would have been a draw, uh, it would have been a bit justified. But losing three two, yeah, it's a bit frustrating because we could see that everyone, all the Dortmund players were on front foot and were giving the pressure to Bayern. So we couldn't capitalize on that end, and even Kimmich unfortunately got injured, and uh, we couldn't capitalize on those things. So, yeah, it's frustrating. I basically agree with what Kostov said. I mean, uh, it's that case of again so near yet so far. Like, if we analyze the previous two meetings, uh, if I talk about the Super Cup, uh, which again took place like maybe a month back, then the scoreline was again the same, three-two. And again, one key factor was the one who created the difference, or was the uh, difference maker was Kimmich again. Uh, this time, unfortunately, even though he was injured. Uh, what Dortmund had the front foot on was basically they were creating more chances, no doubt. The only thing that caused them was the profligacy. Maybe Haaland could have capitalized on those chances. Maybe Roy should have finished at the extreme death, which maybe could have led to a, a familiar score line of 3-3. But uh, as far as winning mentality is concerned, I think I can start relating to that right now because this is something Real Madrid were pretty used to two to three seasons ago. Uh, I still remember they were on some 40-something unbeaten run, including La Liga and UCL. Not because they were playing each and every game pretty well, but they had that mentality with stuck lads that if they are, let's say, trailing by two goals, they'll somehow claw their way back by the 90th minute. So, I'll give credit to the winning mentality, of course. Uh, credit to Dortmund as well, because they're coming pretty close. They're coming close to that point that they can challenge us with each and every juncture. I'm happy because this augurs well for Bundesliga, because... Even La Liga is a duopoly, but at the end of the day, a duopoly that propels the league for more competitive matches augurs well for the fans. So, it was an entertaining match, to say the least. But yeah, I'd say that four of four teams are right now, on, like last season, four teams are there who are challenging right now. And Leipzig is something which I think so many are not even considering, considering the fact that they had a pretty good uh, run in last year's Champions League as well. Now, Angelsman is something who has been under radar for a lot of long period of time and uh, because he was in half a night. So, but I think it, now he's coming. It doesn't, do a, it doesn't do him any favours losing to Manchester United 5 <laughs> Yeah, I know. UCL is something which is differently. But talking about Bundesliga, I think so. Leipzig has also given a good uh, competition to Bayern whenever Bayern has played. So, that's there. And yeah, about the class leaders, I think so. Uh, now the good thing is that we are having a good. Uh, the team is back. The all the injured players would be back as well. So the only bad thing is that now we will be traveling to their home, and our record isn't that good when we are traveling away. And uh, hopefully the fans aren't allowed at that time because this was a big factor that we missed our fans in to Signa Duna because that was something which could have pushed the players even more, especially when we were down a goal. So the players were trying, but I think so. Bayern also faces a heat when they come and play here. I've seen the similar situation in last year. I think so last last year's Super Cup, which we had won three two, where Paco had scored the finisher. I think so. I saw the similar thing uh, that we could have really turned it around. But yeah, the fans is something which is being missed at this time. So it was a big factor, I think. So which we also missed. But uh, in terms of, I think we've had this co- like conversation on Twitter and all, but Lucien Favre, right? Uh, I think a lot of Bayern fans have made the statement that Dortmund will never win as long as he's their manager. Is that, would you say that 
that's true did he probably got, get something wrong this time round or was it just simply bayern being unstoppable like they have been for the past uh, nearly a year yeah i don't agree with this because many players or many members of our club also had questioned favre after this game but i think so he was pretty good i think so he outsmarted today in that game i think so he really outsmarted and i think so the way he was using the wings where the newcomer was playing in bayern he was using that and it was working actually in the first half all the long balls were coming to the right side and it was working pretty good and we were able to create the pressure and chances but as my band counterpart has also said we were not able to finish and that was the only thing missing i think so we could have taken a lead in the first half as well uh, more properly so yeah even hummel summed it up nicely that uh, we weren't able to finish at the at the end at the when we were attacking so yeah we were in a hurry i think so to uh, to just go and end that but uh, yeah i think the favre in general yes i'll agree that sometimes he's been missing that but uh, this is the season i think so he has a pressure on him uh, the board has already given him an ultimatum that till the winter break he has to prove that if he is standing up to the sporting goals otherwise they'll be starting to look and i think so uh, considering the fact the board may be looking for a new coach now uh, but yeah i think so it wouldn't be fair to say that he's not challenging but and the team is also ambitious this time the management has also put it clear so he is also publicly making it clear which wasn't the case two years uh, when he was managing the team so yeah but uh, yeah it's still not there but let's see we are still in the hunt we are still in the hunt for all the three tournaments which are there so let's see where, how long will we go and i'll like to wait till the winter uh, winter break to see where we stand at the also and aditya i think with obviously kimich got injured and everything but like i know hansi a, a few weeks ago or even a week ago said that you know there should be no excuses for the tough it is a tough fixture our congested fixture schedule so i mean this kind of the fact that two of his key players one being fonzi and one being kimich are now out for a long period of time so that kind of goes against i mean does he now have to face the fact that it might be time to actually speak up and say that you know it shouldn't be this bad well actually that's uh, also a very good question because today morning only i was watching the post match conference of i think jurgen klopp he was also kind of addressing the fact that tottenham are having a congested fixture basically the teams who have europa league fixtures have to travel the distance so and coupled with the 12:30 pm kickoff so it quite takes a toll on the players uh, i would agree with you that if hansi owns up on this then it may be better but maybe he wants to stay on the professional side as much as he can right now what matters is hansi the strategist not hansi the tactician because hansi the tactician works when you have all the players at your disposal but as a strategist you need to figure out which place fit your puzzle because kemik i arguably say is one of the best cdms right now he is the one who can create the differences between bayern and other teams when bayern is on a losing note whether it was against lok moscow or even against dortmund uh, the league before kemik was the one who created the difference when kemik scores or creates a goal he starts the pedal for bayern to accelerate so with kemik out you can expect a double pivot with uh, goretzka and toliso but goretzka and toliso are of the same profile so that basically negates the uh, unavailability of kemik 
So we need to figure out all innovative solutions. Thankfully, Kimik and Ponzi are expected to be back before February because the round of 16 is around February. So it's actually an optimistic situation. What for other players to see how they can deliver? Like I think this year, I think in the first season, the Bundesliga's winter break, which usually used to be like three to four weeks sometimes. Right, right, right. 11, it's only like 11 days uh, this this season. Yeah, actually, the November so second half like, and December first week, the yeah. gap is pretty less. Good. So, like, it's the craziest thing. Like, when it comes to the English Premier League, uh, I think Liverpool have eight fixtures lined up in December. Yeah, I mean, so, it's uh, always it's <laughs> always been the case that our yeah. December's our December's have always been so so tough. I mean, Vishal would also agree from Man City's point of view that I think December is the most hectic time and kind of makes or breaks the season for a title challenger. Uh, I mean, last year itself, we saw a couple of matches like that where we kind of pulled away from City. And yeah, I, I guess, I guess uh, Kausab, what, what are your thoughts on this? I think so, from Dortmund's standpoint, bringing Liverpool in, I hope that Liverpool gets Alba in. They are able to sign because it will it will help both Dortmund and Liverpool uh, in January and considering Kimmich would be out till February. So I think so we'll have a pretty solid shot and other teams could also look at it because Alba, I think so, like Kimmich, is something, someone who has been pretty good and very solid in the position. He's quick and he's, he has converted to a pretty good TV. I mean, I you, think had, so, you had a pretty good shot even last year and kind of blew it towards the end. Yeah, that is something which I think so. There shouldn't be any, uh, any reasons now to really uh, give it like that. I think the two seasons we had a pretty good shot. But now I think so. It's being publicly made uh, clear that I think so. We are going for the kill now, and uh, we have the squad, and everyone is talking about the winning mentality, which was everyone was uh, complaining about for the team. So I think so. Now there is an aggression there and belief, and I think so. If you see the body language of Dortmund after the game, I think so. It was visible that they were more disappointed considering the opportunity which we had. So this shows a lot about the team. And uh, I hope, like, if jo- uh, Alba goes, I think so, considering Kimmich is also out, I think so, we'll have a pretty good chance. Awesome. All right. So, uh, I guess we kind of want to move on to the Liverpool-Man City match. And Errol and Visha, what did you guys make of the match? Because this was, yes, built as the the game between the two heavyweights, uh, given, I think, what, over the past three seasons, uh I think Man City have amassed 100 points, 99 points, and I don't know how much last season it must be in the 80s or late 80s. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing and is, I think Liverpool hasn't won in the Etihad. I think they won just once. I think in the last uh, eight eight seasons. Or yeah, I mean, we we don't have the, the the best record at Etihad. We kind of um we get mostly battered there. I mean, last year, yeah. sure, fair enough. We were probably drunk on the success of. <laughs> Winning the title, but uh, before that, it was like five nil, and then we lost two one, which is the key match which we needed to at least draw. Uh, yeah, and the money sending off. I can't forget that. Yeah, and then I mean, even after that, the eleven millimeters thing for yeah. the goal line clearance, which was at uh, Etihad. So yeah, not the best places. So what did you make of it, both of you? Did did you think it was Liverpool gaining one point or losing two points? Because City right now also are slightly vulnerable, or uh, Abhishek, did you feel that City kind of gained a point? I think I, I'm actually looking forward to the to the away game at uh, Hanfield because I think both teams had a lot of key players, uh, you know, 
that were absent. I think uh, Liverpool, if you had uh, Alcantara and Fabinho, etc., then I think the match would have been Fabinho, slightly different. Yeah. And uh, I think if we had Aguero uh, on, uh, I think uh, playing the game fit, then the match could have been different. So I, I feel you know. Uh, Man City this year um, is in a transition phase, so I don't I don't really have too many hopes of them uh, winning the title. They they may end up second or third because I think uh, Guardiola has reached his uh, reached a glass ceiling in terms of his in terms of his creativity, and uh, I think uh, replacements for Aguero have not happened at the right uh, pace, or you know they've not been able to find the right uh, you know replacement. Uh, I think he's also at the end of his contract. Aguero's also at the end of his contract. So I, I'm actually looking forward more to the away game. Hopefully, all the all the top players are you know fit. Uh, whenever that is, I, I don't know when the next fixture is, but whenever that is, I'm actually looking forward to that because that will be the true test of this of this uh, you know fixture. Uh, both the teams playing with the best players with with the amount of money both teams have spent. I think that will be the right team to you know analyze and see who's the best in best among the two. But I think yesterday's game was still mediocre. We uh, at least from a Man City standpoint, I think we still lack a leader like we had in company, like we had in Toure, we had in Silva. Uh, I think we have some emerging leaders, but it will take another year for everyone to settle in. I think. Uh, uh, Rodri and uh, Rubin Diaz have a lot of potential uh, to, you know, be mainstay players for the next four or five years. Um, but I, I don't have too many hopes on the title this year. But I, I'll be very happy if he just qualifies for Champions League. It's quite optimistic, uh, <laughs> given the pressure that the board usually has in the club. Because I think Guardiola expects nothing less than what two or three trophies I think every season from his players. Yeah, obviously- I. I think this will be his last season, and uh, he may, uh, or, or his penultimate season, where he may just win. So who wish this successively? Allegri. Yeah, looks like Allegri, or they may bring Zidane. I, I think, I think everybody uh, has. I think uh, Zidane at the Madrid has, you know, reached his glass ceiling. Guardiola's reaches, uh, you know, has reached his uh, sort of logical limit here. I think, as uh, human beings, I think everybody needs a new challenge. And looks like there'll be a lot of rotation of managers over the next twelve months. Uh, but okay, but, uh, I, okay I, I agree with the fact that I think both teams were missing key players. Fabinho, Thiago, Virgil Van Dijk were definitely key players for Liverpool, and I'm sure Aguero is always a threat against us. I don't know for some goddamn reason, every time he plays against us, he scores. But I think from from at least personally, as a Liverpool fan, I know that uh, I saw. I saw this game as a one-point gain for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't see it being two points lost, uh, especially given the fact that Kevin De Bruyne seemingly just loved to miss the penalty against us. <laughs> yeah. Which, no, I, I, like I'm telling you, as a as a as a Man City supporter, this is a phase. This is a transition that we are going through. I think there needs to be a new uh, a new injection of creativity that needs to come in. I think. There's a lot of dependency on uh, in the in the midfield on you know De Bruyne. We don't have great finishers like you've seen Sterling and uh, Jesus 
in the last uh, UCL season, they just, uh, I think in the, in the quarterfinals, the sort of sitters that they missed, we don't have finishers. And I think that's the truth. There's a lot of dependency on De Bruyne. I think even yesterday, he was he was trying to shoot from outside the box a few times. Uh, that's mainly because we don't have finishers. And uh, that's a big, it's a big challenge. Uh, uh, also, Guardiola, I feel, has just reached a stagnation point. He's a great coach. He's reached a stagnation point in terms of creativity. And these will continue to be our challenges. I think when they won uh, the Porto game, I think next game was with Sheffield. I actually tweeted from Man City saying, given your track record last year, I hope you don't, because we used to lose every alternate game last year. We would beat a Liverpool and then we lost to Southampton the next, you know. So I think that's that's going to continue this year. Uh Again, yesterday's game missed a lot of key players on both sides. Uh, Others, it would have been a killer of a match. It it wasn't so. Yeah, another thing that kind of reminded me, and I, I don't know, Errol, you might agree yeah. with me or disagree, but the one thing that that I also kind of felt was in the second half, everyone seemed very, very tired, and which brings about the case of you know it being such a very hectic schedule for both teams and. Liverpool City is always, always, always intense. I think you. I mean, yeah, I but think... one thing, but one thing which I like to like highlight here is like let's talk about that for the the lineup and the formation that he that he is that he played. Yeah, nobody yeah, expected Firmino and Jota to be starting that game after the the Atalanta game. Everyone was like, "Is he going to start Firmino? Is he going to start Jota? Who who's going to play up front?" And he played, and he somehow found a way to play both of them. And in the first half, if you could see. We bossed the game. Okay, Mane didn't really take, they didn't really capitalize on the chances, but Liverpool bossed the first half. Although, like, whenever they lost the ball, De Bruyne had a lot of open space because our midfield was just, just two people in midfield. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I guess without Fabinho and Thiago, he had no other option but to play Firmino up front. I suppose if those. Yeah, in a, in a way, that's kind of true. But then Keita also was on the bench along Um, with Miller. Yeah. I guess he could have played Milner. I th- I was very surprised that he went full on attacking, like yeah. uh, with four attackers to go at City. I was very yeah, but like you said, I think uh, De Bruyne had plenty of spaces to kind of pick his passes. Unfortunately, also like Vishal said, the, the they were lacking up front. I think. Yeah. But what did you guys make of the the two key decisions? One is the Mane penalty, and of course the Joe Gomez penalty because. I had this conversation a, a few days ago and we had this whole podcast regarding VAR. So, did you guys feel that both penalties were correct decisions? One was correct, one wasn't? I think the handball rule, they really need to look at. I think it's it's something that's going to kill the game if it continues like this. And even the whole offside rule, I think we can better whether all touched on the Bamford decision, depending on when you recorded that. That was, was just absurd. It was before, I think it was Friday. Oh. Yeah, that was just a well, I, I, I think both the penalties were deserved uh, because I think that's how the game's been. I think a lot of them don't uh, agree to the way the VR, you know, the VR works, etc. But I think given the given the given the trajectory of uh, decisions that have been made over the last uh, two two uh, seasons, including this, I think it was a penalty. And uh, of course, Mane's uh, you know Walker's challenge on Mane was you know stupid. So shouldn't have happened, <laughs> but both were both were well deserved penalties. I think we sh- we should have converted. Uh, never expected. Uh, I actually was uh, discussing with my wife who will take the penalty, and I really assumed that uh, Gundogan would take it because uh, he's the guy that always takes the penalties. 
but uh, I think uh, De Bruyne was just uh, I think because of the rain and uh, and all the frustration and and all the dependency on him in the midfield. Because if you see Torres, Sterling were all playing at the wings. Jesus was in the first half non-descript. I think apart from his goal, he didn't he didn't do too much. Uh, look, he the guy has a lot of potential, but we really need somebody along with him and someone like an Aguero who can uh, sort of lead the line along with Jesus at some point in time. So we didn't have finishers, but uh, and we didn't have finishers even even for the penalty, you know. So I think that was our. But I, I don't know one thing which you which you mentioned, and this is a transition season for Man City. When a club goes out and spends over what I think 120 million. On players, they obviously like the not only the supporters, but I'm sure the the management and the coaches they're bound to produce results, right? Yeah, sure. I, I think when you look at uh, when you look at these numbers, look at it from a balance sheet format. How much we made <laughs> by the sale and uh, how much we made by uh, by you know the uh, sort of expenses. So I think if we balance that out, I think the total outflow was maybe 45, 50 million. Yeah, I think who was uh, the biggest? Uh, so Sunny, I think they made a big chunk of change on his sale, right? Yeah, I think that was Jan- that was a good move for uh, okay. for you know Sane as well Both, to be yeah, a part of this. Yeah, so I think look always look at. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, the only the only the I think the biggest joke in the history of transfers, at least in my mind, is the Pogba one where they sold him for nothing and bought him back for ninety five million. So that's a joke that I would like to crack <laughs> on the next podcast whenever we talk to a Man United fan. But I think uh, the rest of the teams, I would want to be fair and say, look at it like a balance sheet. What went in and what came out. Uh, and sorry, what went out and what came. Yeah, I mean, especially this season, I think the net spend for City has been a little better. But otherwise, I think a couple of years ago when you had to rehaul. So, okay, I, I get the transition. I mean, even if you buy it, they're not in, they don't need to instantly be successful. I suppose because of City's history... Everyone expects them to be, but we all know that players take time to adapt and all of that. So that way, we can wait and watch on that. But I I mean, for the penalty thing, though, I I do agree with you in the fact that the rules state that it is a penalty. But I don't agree with the rules in the whole as a whole itself. Like no person can walk, run around with their hands at the back, which is almost impossible. I get. If when you're in a almost stationary position and then kind of moving around, you can hold your hands at the back. But when you're catching up with someone, there's no way you can catch up with your hands around the back without looking like a complete dickhead or I don't know whatever you want to call it. So I I agree it is a penalty, but I just don't agree with the rules. That no, so where I'm coming from is the last at least I remember the last twenty Premier League. Uh, not even twenty, the last forty Premier League games that have been at least uh, six seven incidences. Very similar to this, so no, I, no, I, I, I I agree with that. I agree that so it I'm, is. I'm just I'm just going by that momentum true. that I think the Premier League has put out these rules and these kind of decisions have uh, always pissed off managers at the end of the game. So it's not a new thing. Yeah. The last I I remember that the last uh, let's say the forty games that have been played, there have been at least five six incidences like this. Oh, right? no. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, undoubtedly there have been umpteen number of decisions which have been ridiculous. You know, whether it's hit the sleeve and below the sleeve, all those kind of handball decisions, offside decisions, it's terrible. But all I'm trying to say is that yes, it is. It's been there. It's been the case in the past. But you know, you need rules. So I mean, the rules need yeah. to be. It's not just the handballs, also the fouls. I think even yesterday, Sterling was uh, was sort of pushed just outside the box. He didn't fall. 
uh, he didn't uh, die for once uh, <laughs> but uh, you know he uh, i think he wanted to move with the ball and then you know try to sort of score but i think that also should have been a uh, should have been a foul even though he didn't fall should have been a foul but then these are the decisions that are there i think i think but technology I think also is going to a going to a transition phase uh, also the referees have been uh, i don't know if they've lost focus or you know they have a different strategy but yesterday i felt that uh, rahim sterling's uh, foul outside the box should have been a free kick but you know it is what it is we have to live with the var decisions we have to live with these refereeing decisions i i just hope that once uh, both you know the once the var and the uh, referees are uh, sort of able to come in sync then uh, i think in the next 2 3 years the decisions will be much better and much more accurate awesome and errol your thoughts on this i think one one my point of view is still like uh, i said like i'm from the old school uh, of thought it's a certain players their reputation precedes them so salah sterling even sterling during his time at uh, liverpool he was yeah. a guy who won one he and suarez won as the most uh, number of penalties that season the season that they were playing for liverpool so i think referees nowadays are more reluctant to give a penalty when certain players go down in the box too easily even when when it might go to var so i think that's still a gray area to a certain extent yeah their the reputation precedes them i think yeah. when, uh, <laughs> it comes to but my, i think one major relief for liverpool are to defend their title this year is that the african cup of nations has been postponed yeah other yeah. than the african nightmare <laughs> and i think even <laughs> even when it has been postponed to when whichever year i think it's now been moved yeah. to june july so i think it's still i think the change that as well so even more relief yeah uh, <laughs> all right so last last thoughts from all of you guys uh, where do you kind of or uh, from this past result kind of where do you see this going from now on this season i think is been the mo- i think in every league serie a if you look at the serie a table la liga bundesliga there isn't any, not, i haven't looked at the french uh, league or but if you look at all the top four leagues in europe across europe i think this is been the most open start to any season in a long time So I think it's yeah. still I think even if we once it reaches Christmas it's still going to be really difficult to tell. Yeah, I pretty much uh, agree with the previous thought. Uh, the fa- the fact that right now COVID has taken precedence really leaves all the leagues open because the fixtures are so congested and more importantly you have the like uh, Nations League fixtures. Like what right now concerns me is that the players of a club don't get injured uh, in the bid of trying to win matches for their nations like that can be a conflicting club country interest but fortunately for bayern uh, we have two players like uh, muller boateng and also martinez who are not playing their trade for national team so that kind of makes me relieved that they won't be injured for a futile reason so I mean, not a, not only injured but they infection <laughs> yeah the infects they don't get uh, you know yeah. oh cases. that's right extremely right like when ronaldo got that covid result my first thought was that let the french players be aloof they don't get <laughs> yeah, because right now covid i mean for no reason players are going out for two weeks that really yeah. hurts when you need the results and kasab your thoughts on this i i know leipzig are now second but uh, you know the is this was this match pivotal in that whole challenge to uh, kind of overtake bayern munich uh i think so we still have one point we are one point behind i think so it's still open and uh, we still have game against leipzig left both the games so we still have to play them as well and leipzig also has to play bayern uh 
and uh, those are pretty important games and uh, i think so we, considering the way we played i am confident that uh, we would be able to at least give it a good fight and maybe this time may even cross the line so let's see and yeah i've seen the news like people are getting like teams are getting covid infected ajax also got covid infected so that's the only concern which i have like for the first time i think so we have a whole squad right now who is fit so finger crossed that none of them now get infected like chan also got infected and uh, so i hope infection stays away and we are able to perform yeah also i mean they're out for like 14 days and in the case of ronaldo it was a little more than that because he got tested yeah. negative then he got tested positive again then again negative positive so yeah it just creates a whole lot of complications and yeah. finally in our case actually we were like similar to what liverpool was we were playing with one cb only and hmm. uh, so we could relate with how liverpool was is doing right now so hope i'm happy that now we have the full squad so yeah yeah definitely and vishal your thoughts on this as in uh, you know of course man city liverpool was a very key match at least in the past it used to decide the title in the past two seasons at least so uh, i know you said this is a transition series uh, season but where do you kind of see now city go on spend in the transfer window uh, i i think uh, december will be a key month we will definitely look at uh, uh, you know i think uh, guardiola has also made a statement that for both him and uh, him and sort of aguero it's very this uh, season is going to be very important if uh, aguero scores decent amount of goals they will extend his contract or if uh, guardiola does well this season he will extend his contract so i i think uh, december jan will be a key period i don't think we'll do any shopping in uh, january but uh, next year for sure there'll be a large uh, spend at least on forwards uh, which i think is necessary for us as uh, you know in the coming uh, season this season look it's uh, it's it's a very uh, it's a very close knit uh, table i think one one match here and there yesterday i think we were uh, after the match we were i think 11 or 12 on the table and now we are back to 10 after arsenal's a great game uh so <laughs> i think uh yeah well you're understudy <laughs> yeah yeah the guys shouldn't have left in the middle of the season this is karma always finds you know they always finds his address uh, but but i think said that look I, i think the table is still you know everyone still 3 4 points away i think if we we have one game in hand and we can easily get back to the top 4 you know if yeah. we if we if we win the next game so it's too early to judge the table like i said i'll be i'll i will personally be happy to just be in the top 4 i think this year tottenham will uh, tottenham everton leicester will will really push hard until the last uh, minute but you know all three clubs are you know chokers they will always choke in the last minute uh, we just need to put our heads down work hard make sure that all our guys are back in form by january at least and then we have a we have a chance of winning at least uh, at least one of you know retaining maybe the fa cup or the league cup uh, the premier league will have to watch till the last day because i think this has been a season where where the players have not got enough rest uh, this international breaks like one of you all said it's just a joke I, you know god knows why they even have this uh, you know the players need uh, need a lot of rest and we we'll see a lot of teams go up and down the table I think uh, Leicester on top of the table uh, once again is uh, uh, I think 
it uh, doesn't really showcase the premier league uh, i may sound a little elitist there but uh, i think uh, We'll, we'll uh, I agree see. with you. You are right. Like uh, gauging before 15 or 20 matches are completed, it's actually not right. Like anyone can be at the top right now. True. Uh, all right. So I guess then that's as good a time to call it a day. Uh, thanks, Errol, Aditya, Costa, Vishal for coming on here and giving your thoughts on the past two, the weekend matches. I won't say past two, but the, the weekend matches that happened for your team. So the Classica and the Liverpool Man City games uh it was a pleasure hosting you and i can't wait to do the same in the near future you know whether it be for similar matches or the longer series regarding your clubs uh where we can go a little more in depth and a little more analytical so thanks guys and yeah i mean can't wait to have you on on the podcast again yeah thanks for having us thank you <laughs> yes uh I'll see you guys thank you again thank you paddy for having us bye Awesome, guys. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in to the FFS podcast. If you've listened all the way from episode number one and you've joined us or you've come over from the FFS series to listen to the MWS series, then welcome and thank you for sticking with us. And if you do like the football content that we've been putting out, then please leave a like. You can rate us. You can follow us on seven different podcast platforms like Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're probably there. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, where I try to be as active as possible, uh, especially during game weeks uh, or any other major topics that happened over the, over the past week or so. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it for episode number seven of the MWF series. I'll catch you all next Wednesday. I'm your host, Praddy, once again. You stay safe and see you.